We'll look at that in a moment. I do want to give you a little update on the work in Arklo and on what God is doing there. Um, we're, we are so pl- blessed that we are able to serve the Lord um, uh, starting a church there in Arklo, County Wicklow. How many of you went to Arklo on your holidays one time? Maybe as a kid. Many of us have been there on holidays, okay? And uh, I was at a, a town meeting. We're trying to make it a holiday destination again down in Arklo. Um, but, you know, um, we are blessed to serve the Lord in that town. And I just want to tell you some of the things the Lord has been doing. I'm going to try and write a prayer le- letter this week, which I'll send out to you. And you can read some more details. Um, but I just would ask you to pray for the work in Arklow. Uh, we are encouraged with what God has already done. On a Sunday morning, we would have 20 to 25 people assembling to hear the word of God and worship. And it's exciting to see the church just uniting more and more um, and serving the Lord together. And, you know, you have had a part in that. You know, I grew up in this church and God worked in my life here at LifeGate. And then the day came where the Lord called me out to start a church in another area. And God has used this church uh, to be a light in Arklow. And, of course, I know that you all uh, pray for us. Um, and you support us financially so that we can be there full-time and do the work of the ministry, and we are so grateful uh, for that. But let me ask you to pray for us. We are, we're burdened in 2012 uh, that we really would see some people saved and discipled and going on for God, a part of the church. And uh, we're, again, we're delighted with the people that God has saved. You know, Willie here is a part of your church, and he was saved down through the ministry of our club Baptist church. And we praise the Lord. Uh, he's going on for God and trying to follow the Lord. Uh, I, I, I know he's mad, but uh, at least he loves the Lord. <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, it's exciting to see that. You know, we want to see more people. In fact, just on Friday, I spoke to a man who said, I want what happened to Willie Doyle to happen to me. He is struggling with drug addiction and alcoholism, and he's, he's just sick of it. And he wants God to change his life. And uh, tried to meet with him yesterday. Wasn't able to actually get in touch with him. Um, but uh, God is at work in Arklow. Well, let me just give you um, a few things the Lord has been doing. We've been uh, given some extra time to prayer so far this year. And uh, really, particularly myself, just really spending time in prayer, asking God to move in Arklow, that we would see people saved and discipled. And here's some of the things uh, that the Lord has done um, one exciting thing was we have an opportunity. Um, one of the detectives uh, in the, the Garda, Chiacana down in Arklow, um, has asked Willie, and I, th- I think Jerry's going to help him, go into the schools and uh, talk to some of the, the young people in the secondary school. And um, we, it, it's a wonderful opportunity. Back in January, they were able to talk to him. And I'd ask you to just pray that it would all come to pass, that it would actually start. We're waiting for that um, detective to get back to us. And pray that God would use that, uh, that we would see young people get saved and not go down the road of drugs that so many of their age group are going down in Arklow. I mean, it's, it's the same everywhere, really, to be honest. Um, but we see it in Arklow. And just pray that the Lord would bring that opportunity to pass and that he really would use it. He'd give us wisdom. We're trying to uh, maybe have a, a, a meeting at the church where the teenagers can come and where we can give them the gospel. We may be limited what we can say in the schools, um, but we want an opportunity where we can uh, try to give them the gospel. So pray for that. 
uh, the Lord has been blessing um, street preaching ministry. We do that every second week, usually uh, usually on a Tuesday. Uh, sometimes we change it to another day. Um, but we continue to do that uh, each second week. And uh, it's exciting. God uses uh, that street preaching ministry. It just never fails to amaze me how God uses that to bring people to himself. Early in January, we saw a young man named Jimmy and his younger brother Johnny come to Christ uh, through the street preaching ministry. And uh, they walked up to us right at the end of our time. And we were about to finish up and, and head home. And I got to go into a cafe with them and, and sat down and shared the gospel with them. And it was just exciting. The one young man, Jimmy, um, he, Jimmy is 17. And uh, Jimmy uh, looked at me and uh, I was asking them, do they want to pray? And they said, oh, no, we'd be too embarrassed. And he turns to me and he says, could we pray quietly and just ask the Lord to save? Because he really wanted to get saved. <laughs> I mean, God was working in his heart. And praise God for that. Um, pray for Jimmy and Johnny. We've had um, one, uh, one opportunity to sit down and disciple them. But they are very hard to get a, a hold of. They have some real problems in their life. And they're oftentimes not living in the same place. Uh, from uh, day to day and from week to week and just pray that we'd be able to disciple them and help them to grow in Christ. Um, then there was a, a, a another week, I think this was in February, uh, we had um, a Hungarian couple we got in touch with. Uh, the man named Zolt, he's saved and uh, his um, actually his partner, Melinda, um, she uh, does not know the Lord and, and Zolt has been away from the Lord for many years and uh, got, he, they came to church though and uh, begun to meet with them for bible studies and he told me th- the other day i was sitting in his living room and uh, he said he said i've made so many mistakes but he said i just want to make something beautiful with my life for jesus and i thought that was such a, a precious way i mean his english is is broken you know and he said he said i just want to make something beautiful for jesus and he wants to grow and uh, go on for the lord praise the lord for uh, zolt um we continue to have our fishermen's club on a Wednesday night. We have a children's club. And a couple of weeks ago, we had a high of 21. And m- might not sound a lot. I know you probably would have more in, in your children's club. Um, but that was exciting for us. In fact, it was a little bit scary. Uh, we didn't know who was in control, the workers or the kids. You know, <laughs> we were just trying to stop a riot from breaking out. And you know what that's like. But it was exciting to see those children coming out. And we're developing a relationship with these families. We know um, the parents, and it's exciting that the parents are all for the kids coming. And even will listen when we try to challenge them and, and talk to them about the gospel. And that's always been our burden, is that we wouldn't just reach kids uh, through the children's club, but would, that we'd eventually be able to reach families and parents and see them come to Christ. And uh, do pray that the Lord would do that. You could pray for particularly the Harmon family and uh, their uh, daughter Kelly and their son Connor come out faithfully uh, to the club. Just love it. They've both been saved um, through the club and, and they love love the Lord. They're growing. Uh, but it would be wonderful to see mom and dad come to Christ and see um, that family changed for his namesake. Um, so pray for the Fisherman's Club. We also have some kids, particularly some of the older children, they need to be saved. They're coming out. They've heard the gospel again and again. But they just need the Holy Spirit to do that work in their heart and uh, bring them to the point of salvation. So pray for the children's club. Um, also pray for that man that I was just telling you about that said he wanted God to change his life as he has changed Willie's life. 
um, his name is Michael, his name is Mick, and um, uh, pray for him. I tried to meet with him yesterday, and for some reason it didn't work out. Um, but just pray that God would bring Mick all the way through, that he would get saved, and he may need to go into the men's home and uh, uh, get his life straightened out. But pray for Mick. Uh, another man, um, Johnny. Uh, Willie knows Johnny very well. He grew up with Johnny, um, but Johnny's a fisherman. And got to sit down. He, his dad just passed away uh, just a, a week ago. And I got to sit down with him and, and uh, share my testimony with him and some of the gospel. But again, there's an open door there. He has a hunger to know truth. And uh, there are, are many other things. Um, suffice to say, I'm encouraged because it seems God is answering prayer uh, in Arklow. And even as we've saw them just over the last two months, I tell you, uh, the revival meetings here at LifeGate, God used those in my heart uh, to stir me to pray in a new way. And God is answering prayer. And I just want to give you um, a verse. If you turn to Isaiah 66, this is a verse I'm claiming uh, for Arklo. Isaiah 66, 9. And uh, perhaps as you pray, uh, you could pray along with me. Lord, uh, fulfill this promise in your word. It's Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 9. Isaiah 66 and verse 9, it says this, Shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God? And uh, it's a, the Lord is using a picture, but what he is saying is, will God bring something to a new beginning and then not allow it to start, you know? And uh, we've seen the Lord do many things. I was even, we went to the park yesterday. It was a beautiful day. And we met, I think, three or four different people that we already know, we've already made contact with, we've already shared the gospel with, but they need to take that step and go forward with God. Uh, I think um, two, one couple had already been saved, uh, but they just they need to take that step and go on for God. And I feel like God has done many things in our club, but we need to see him bring the work forth. In other words, see so many of those people that have heard the gospel, see them get saved. So many of the people that have even asked the Lord to save them, see them go on for God. And I love this verse because God says he's not the kind of God who will bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth. So he won't work like that and not bring it to completion. So just pray that God uh, would bring things forth uh, in Arkle, that we would see him do uh, the full work that, that we're asking him to do. So thank you for your prayers. And uh, uh, if you want to uh, write those things down, or I'll be sending out that letter next week, uh, and you can have a look at that. Well, let's uh, look in our Bibles here at Exodus chapter 17 together tonight. Exodus chapter 17. You know, as I was thinking of addressing you um, while my dad is gone, I I do count it a privilege. I'm glad to be able to speak to you. Um, But I thought, what could I say that would be a help to LifeGate Bible Baptist Church? And I owe a lot to this church and how God has uh, used this church in my life. Many of you um, have had an influence on my life over the years. And I think of even some of the ladies here that, that taught me 
uh, when I was growing up and uh, all the different influence on my life that you have had. And I thought, what could I say that would be a help and a blessing? So just in prayer, uh, the Lord uh, laid a burden on my heart that I hope will be a help and a blessing uh, to this whole church. Now, I want you to understand that LifeGate Bible Baptist Church is a special place. It is a special place. And God has done some remarkable things right here in this local church body. And I think uh, that this church is, uh, is an important church in Ireland and in this community. And God wants to use this church in a great way. And in fact, He already is. He already is. And <laughs> obviously, this church is going to go forward as we look into the Word of God, as you as a church look into the Word of God and say, what would God have us to do? Well, I want to bring you a challenge here, starting in Exodus chapter 17. I'm going to look at a story uh, from the children of Israel. I'm going to make some applications uh, to any local church, um, but I think some things that will help uh, LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. So let's look at Exodus 17, and let's look at verse 8 down through verse 16, and then we'll ask the Lord to bless His Word tonight. Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it Jehovah Nissi. And Jehovah Nissi means the Lord is my banner. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's ask the Lord to give us insight and bless his word. Father, Lord, we thank you uh, for your truth. And Lord, I thank you for this church. And Lord, for all that you have done in this place. Lord, I thank you for, Lord, working in my own life. Lord, in just a life-changing way, Lord, here at LifeGate Bible Baptist Church. And God, we pray that you would uh, take your truth, help us to understand some simple things from your word tonight. Uh, Lord, that will be a help and a blessing. And Lord, uh, will you use uh, this church, Lord, in a mighty way, in an even mightier way, Lord, uh, in the years ahead. And Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would be our teacher tonight. And uh, Father, we uh, thank you for the victory that you've given us in your son over the evil one. And Lord, we do resist him in, in Jesus' name and pray that he would be bound, Lord, that we'd understand exactly what you're saying to us. And uh, Lord, uh, let there be no distraction, let there be no uh, misunderstanding, Lord, we pray that uh, your word would come forth clearly. And that, uh, Lord, help me as I preach. Lord, help those who listen. And we pray that you'd be honored and glorified tonight, Lord, in all that is said. And Lord, we love you. Amen. Amen. 
<coughs> we start out in this passage. This is early in Israel's history. Um, just to give a little bit of background, this story happens um, as uh, the children of Israel are journeying uh, out of Egypt up to the promised land. And uh, they have not come to Sinai yet. This is on the way to Mount Sinai. And uh, there, as they, co- they move towards Mount Sinai, they are attacked by Amalek. And they're at a place called Rephidim, which is uh, somewhere there between the Dead Sea and the Red Sea in that region as they traveled up uh, towards um, the land of Canaan. But Amalek came and fought with Israel there. Now, who were Amalek? Um, I'm sh- perhaps you know already, but uh, Amalek, they were a, a tribe uh, that lived in that area. And uh, this was not the only time that they attacked Israel. In fact, they did it several times after this. And uh, they came and attacked them. And, and God indeed did judge them uh, for it. Uh, but uh, the tribe of Amalek, they were descendants of Esau. Esau's son Eliphaz had a son called Amalek. And the Amalekites were the descendants um, of this man Amalek. And uh, they lived in that region. They were uh, nomads. They roamed around. They didn't live in one place. Uh, probably uh, were shepherds. Uh, they were also known as raiders, as plunderers, and often would come into a town and just uh, plunder that town and, and attack the people and, and take away uh, all their goods. Um, so this is who Amalek was. And they come to um, Israel as they are journeying through uh, this wilderness and they attack them. And uh, Deuteronomy 25 tells us they didn't do it in a very nice way either. In fact, if you want to hold your place there in Exodus 17 and turn to Deuteronomy 25, uh, Moses, just before he transfers leadership to Joshua and then goes up into the mountain to to die, um, he gives instruction concerning Amalek. And if you look in uh, chapter 25 and verse uh, 17, Moses says to the people, he says, Remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when ye were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were feeble behind thee, when thou wast faint and weary, and he feared not God. Therefore it shall be when the Lord thy God hath given thee rest, from all thine enemies round about, in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance to possess it, that thou shalt blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, thou shalt not forget it. And so, two things we can see in the, these verses. First of all, the, the sneaky way uh, that Amalek came against the children of Israel uh, in the story in Exodus 17. I believe this is referring uh, back to what happened. Uh, in our text in Exodus 17. You know, they were very sneaky. They came up behind them and they, they killed weaker uh, people that were at the back um, of the, uh, the group as they journeyed through the wilderness. And uh, God said that they would be judged for it. And indeed, uh, King Saul fulfilled that and uh, he destroyed uh, the tribe of Amalek. And uh, in 1 Samuel 15, uh, we could read about that. We won't take the time to do that. 
Um, but God told Saul, I want you to destroy them. And here was the reason why. Because they for no reason attacked the children of Israel as they journeyed uh, through the wilderness. And so as we turn back to our text there in Exodus 17, um, we understand who Amalek are and how they fought with Israel in Rephidim. Now, I always try to remember when I'm looking at the nation of Israel, they were not warriors. They were not a fighting people. They had been slaves for 430 years down in Egypt. And they were not warriors. They didn't know how to fight with swords and spears. And really, in a battle, Israel's only hope was God. That was their only hope. If God delivered them, they'd be okay. But if God didn't deliver them, they were finished. Isn't that what you and I are like? (laughs) You know, we are faced very often in life uh, with challenges that we are not able to meet, that we are, are not able to overcome in, and God is our only hope. And that was the case for Israel. And Moses had a plan. He had a very simple plan. He said to Joshua, uh, Joshua uh, uh, really uh, right from day one is being mentored as the one that will one day lead Israel. And um, Joshua was the one who tarried in the tabernacle. He wanted to know God. He wanted to be in God's presence. And so he eventually became the leader of Israel. Uh, But it says, And Moses said unto Joshua, there in verse 9, Choose us out, men, and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So he said there were two things that needed to happen. Joshua needed to choose out a group of men to go and fight against Amalek. Uh, You can imagine them journeying through and... uh, you know, they start to realize that at the back there is this attack going on. And um, someone comes to Moses and says, listen, some of the people are being killed. The tribe of Amalek are attacking at the rear. And so they have to quickly uh, make a plan. And so Moses immediately says, okay, this is what we need to do. Joshua, you take some chosen men and you go and fight. And he said, as for me, I'm going up the hill. That's what God wants me to do. I'm going up the hill with the rod of God uh, in my hand. Uh, and I'm going to uh, really pray. That was the the picture uh, that was painted there, uh, was that God uh, wanted him to pray. And so Moses uh, does this. Uh, Then you look in the next verse, it says, So Joshua did as Moses had said unto him, and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And verse 11, and it came to pass when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And it's interesting to note, both activities were essential. Somebody had to go and fight. But somebody had to stand and pray. And the way the Bible presents it to us, Both activities are essential. But Moses holding the rod up to to God, that was the secret of the victory. Without that, they could fight all day long and they would have had no victory. And what a lesson that is uh, on prayer. You know, if this church is to be a success and to see God use it in a great way, it will rise and fall on prayer. It will rise and fall on prayer. 
And so this is what happened. Moses held up his hand uh, and Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. <clears throat> now look at uh, look here at verse 12. It says, But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And then verse 13, And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. So you can imagine Moses standing there. I don't know what sort of a rod it was. But it was the same old rod uh, that when God first met uh, Moses, well, first uh, appeared to Moses uh, by the burning bush and commissioned him. Um, He said to Moses, he said, what is that in thine hand? And Moses says, well, it's my shepherd's rod. You know, that's what I use to poke the sheep when they're going the wrong way and, you know, beat the animals when they they try to attack uh, my sheep. And... uh, God told Moses that he was going to do miraculous things with that rod. That he was going to throw it down and it was going to become a snake. And he did it right there. And he was going to pick it up and it was going to become a rod again. And that when he went to the children of Israel, that he would use this sign to show them that he was from God. That he really was uh, the messenger of God to lead them out of Egypt. And he takes that rod and he lifts it up. Now, if you stand with your arms outstretched for a while... You'll get tired, okay? You will get tired. And that's what happened to Moses. He let down his hands, not because he didn't think he needed God's power, (laughs) or not for any other reason, but then that he was weary. He was tired. And you know, prayer, real prayer, uh, you know, very often we play at prayer, don't we? We play at prayer. We say a little prayer here and there. We uh, cry out to God for a little blessing. You know, we talked this morning about prayer and supplication. You know, we know all what supplication is about. That urgent need and we cast a prayer heavenward and praise God that a gracious prayer hearing God answers those prayers. But what about real prayer? When we get alone with God in the prayer closet and we seek His face. And we seek His face till we know His presence. Until we see miraculous answers that no one can explain apart from the hand of God. That's real prayer. And you know, real prayer is wearying. It's a spiritual exercise. You know, the Bible talks about agonizing in prayer or wrestling in prayer. And a, and a wrestling match it is uh, to uh, engage in real prayer. And Moses' hands, as he stood there with that rod in his hand and he cried out to God, his hands became heavy and they began to sink down. And notice what Aaron and Hur did. They held up the hands of Moses. They got a stone and they let him sit down on that stone. And they both got under his arms and they lifted up his arms so he could continue to pray and to seek God's face. And the Bible tells us that his hands were steady to the going down of the sun. He could keep on, even though he was weary, because he was helped, because he was encouraged uh, by others, by those around him. 
And verse 13 tells us the result. It says, And Joshua discomfited Amalek. That means he really beat them up. I mean, he defeated them. He demolished them. And obviously, they, you know, they were still a tribe, but they ran scared. I mean, they were gone. And uh, many of them were killed. And, uh, but Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the result was that Israel won a victory. They won, in fact, a great uh, victory. And, and remembering, of course, uh, that they weren't, uh, they weren't a fighting people. Uh, but God that day enabled them to have the victory. Now let me uh, get you to think about something for a minute. You know, Joshua and the people did their job so that Moses could do his job. And as they worked together, they won the victory. As they worked uh, together, uh, they won the victory. You know, I think there is a comparison uh, to a New Testament church. There is a comparison to a New Testament church. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about holding up the hands of your pastor, of your pastor. And I praise God for Pastor O'Gorman. Of course, he is my dad, but I praise God for him and for how God has used him. But I want to talk to you for a few minutes, and God has laid this on my heart, um, about holding up the hands of your pastor. I want you to look for a moment uh, over at Exodus, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6. And I want to read uh, verse uh, 1 down through verse 7 of Acts chapter 6 here. And it says this, it says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Parmenas, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. A great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. You know, obviously a New Testament church is not engaged in killing Amalekites, are we? Is that our job? No. Thankfully, no. That's not our job. We are engaged, though, in winning the lost, are we not? That's our mission. As New Testament Christians, as a part of a local church, our mission is to win the lost. 
And you know, when we look at God's uh, plan uh, for how the church will operate, we recognize that the more we do it God's way, the better opportunity we're going to have to succeed in our mission of winning souls. And that is the truth. And you see here what is happening. Um, it, this was how uh, deacons came to be. This is how we came to have deacons in the local church. And I praise God, uh, Vincent Ryan is the deacon in this church. And it, it, it's great to just see Lord using him here. Um, uh, even leading the, uh, the service in pastor's absence. And doing all that. And just all the ways that Mr. Ryan serves. But you know what? God wants to use all of us to serve in special ways in this church. And many of you are serving. But I want this, uh, the Lord to use this to help us to have a biblical perspective. Notice, first of all, what was happening and why deacons uh, were uh, invented, uh, so to speak, was because there, there were some matters in the church, practical matters that needed to happen. You know, they were taking care of these widows. Uh, they were being taken care of by the church there at Jerusalem. And, you know, that was a very needed thing that needed to happen. But, you know, uh, the apostles were becoming so involved in that that they were not doing other things that were necessary to their role as apostles and to founders of the church of God and leaders uh, in uh, the, the church at that crucial stage in the history of the church of God. And so what they said was, they said, it is, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. In other words, it's not appropriate. You know, they, I'm sure they did it gladly and uh, loved doing it, but they realized we need to be giving ourselves to the ministry of the word and to prayer. That's the most important thing and i want you to notice think back to the picture of um of joshua and moses and the people fighting against amalek you know it, it wasn't that moses was more important than joshua no they both had a job to do they had a, a role that god wanted them to do and when they both did their roles together it equaled success it was a team effort. And you know, that's what the apostles recognized. They recognized, you know, we love doing this. But God has called us to prayer and the ministry of the word. And it's so important. And we need to find other men uh, that would be able to take on some of these responsibilities. So that we can, and look at verse 4. It says, but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Give yourselves continually. It literally means to busy ourselves to fill up our days with prayer and the ministry of the word and you know the ministry of the word obviously to minister the word you need to study but that's not all it's about the ministry of the word is speaking of serving god's word up it's speaking of soul winning you know i'm so glad uh, that as a pastor i have opportunities to go out and witness i i mean i, I get to go out several times a week and uh, share the word of god with people i was laughing with heather the other day i said this coat stinks. I said, my coat stinks. And I said, and then I realized, you know why it stinks? From sitting in smoky houses witnessing to people. <laughs> I 
And we said, praise God that I have the opportunity to go into people's homes and sit and share the word with them. You know, that's what God has called a pastor to, is to minister the word, prayer and the ministry of the word. <clears throat> and so they recognized that they needed to give themselves continually to that. And that these things, though important, though things that needed to be done, they were stopping them from doing their role, which God had called them to do. And so uh, they asked uh, the, the church uh, to call out some people, uh, some godly men who were full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, that they could take care of this ministering uh, to the widows and taking care of them. And uh, how important that that was. And so, do you see the rest of the story? They did it. And the result in verse 7 was, and the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of priests were obedient to the faith. I'm going to ask my wife to do something. Heather, would you go to the van? And there is a rod in the back of the van. Do you have the keys? And would you get that? Okay. Don't worry about that. We'll use that in a minute, okay? I'm not going to beat anyone or anything, okay? It's just an illustration, okay? <laughs> but the, the, the title of this message is Holding Up Your Pastor's Hands. Holding Up Your Pastor's Hands. And let's talk about this uh, for a moment. You know, E.M. Bounds wrote this. It will take all the time a preacher can find to pray like he should. To pray like he should. You know, it occurred to me recently, again, I was telling you, I've been trying to give more time to prayer, recognizing that, you know, God has called me as a pastor, and Acts 6.4 is my standing orders. It's my standing orders. That's what I'm supposed to do, prayer and the ministry of the Word. You know, it is very sad uh, that that so many pastors don't spend very much time in prayer. I remember reading a survey um, of pastors and uh, they concluded that many pastors only spend a few minutes a day in prayer. But you know, a pastor who is in prayer is of more use to his people than when he's doing anything else. Because if he is, and it's not that any of us can't pray, all of us should be praying. But if he's not in prayer, it affects everybody. It affects everybody. It affects the preaching. Uh, it affects everything. And I remember kneeling in my office and crying out to the Lord. I have a little office there at the church building and just praying. And the thought struck me, I am of more use to my people doing this than anything else I could do. You know, I'm a church planter. And... Uh, I wear every hat in our church. I mean, I do everything. And you know what? I love it. I don't, I, I don't feel sorry for myself. I love it. That's the job God has called me to do. 